0: This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, License Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, last week's Bank of Canada Financial System Review highlights growing concerns over the level of debt Canadians are taking on. So much so that the Bank of Canada Governor, Tiff Macklin, is calling on consumers to be vigilant. So how concerned should we be and what actions should you be taking now to ensure your financial well-being? With advice on that, I'm joined by one of the country's leading and respected authorities on personal finance. You'll likely know her from the time as Chief Financial Commentator for CTV News, BNN. Prior to her time in television, she was a Senior VP with TD Waterhouse. She co-authored several national best-selling books and has been recognized with several awards for her outstanding contribution to the profession of financial planning, including Canada's Most Powerful Women and the Donald J. Johnson Award. Patty Lovett-Reed, welcome back to Your Money. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. But, Patty, before we get into today's discussion, Mm -hmm. can you share more about your background in finance with our viewers who maybe uh, aren't as familiar?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Sure. I... I started right out of high school in the banking industry as a teller. Um, Ultimately, after a good number of years, let's just call it 30-plus, Nancy, uh, I I progressed (laughs) to a senior VP at uh, TD Waterhouse. Uh, Then I went into TV for a decade, and I started as a financial reporter and then a a senior financial commentator, and ultimately um, retired from there as the chief financial commentator commentator but right now um, I thought I was going to retire somehow it's just not in my DNA and I am the chief financial commentator for home equity bank um, that's the provider of the chip reverse mortgage and I also uh, do financial commentary for Healthcare of Ontario pension plan plus a lot of public speaking which I love yeah. And you're so good at it. I mean, everyone so,
0: so much values and respects your opinion, Patty. So I'm glad you didn't uh, retire and you're still out doing this stuff so let's talk about the focus of the show now so the bank of canada financial system review has been making headlines since its release mainly because of the bank of canada's warning regarding the debt levels of canadians especially homeowners so the report speaks to early signs of financial stress among households that canadians have less financial flexibility and are more vulnerable to potential economic shocks so what's your reaction to the concerns expressed by the bank of canada
1: well, you know, one of the jobs that the Bank of Canada has is to closely monitor and to respond to what I would suggest are any early signs or strains on the liquidity, the financial liquidity in our country. And to your point, when the Bank of Canada does a financial stability report, they're not necessarily talking about Canadians, although it did come up, but they're really looking at our big banks and our banks' ability to withstand financial shocks, because uh, we now know that a risk can happen and spread very quickly. I I just take you back, Nancy, to March, when um, there was a global financial system came under pressure with the run on Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. And so they look at the banks and basically they came back and said that they are very robust. But they did, to your point, also highlight that concern is growing around household debt, their ability to service that debt, and they recognize that more Canadians are going to face financial pressure as their mortgages come up for renewal, particularly those who um, took out mortgages or refinanced at the peak of house prices, um, and in the trough of what I call the borrowing cost, where interest rates were sort of rock bottom at 2021. So the vulnerability for many households, and he's saying, hey, pay attention to this, is come 2025, 2026, when their mortgages come up for renewal, this era of a low interest rate environment and low volatility it's gone like it's not. It's, I don't see us going back to that, at least not in our lifetime. Yeah,
0: and I think you're right. And I have to say there's been so many uh, surveys and you know media reports in recent months that really speak to the financial struggles of Canadians. So I wasn't that
1: surprised yeah. that the Bank of Canada was expressing these concerns. I'm sure you weren't either. No, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, and but I also, I think it's just worthwhile. When they look at the stability of our financial system, um, they talk about other issues too, like a major cyber attack geopolitical risks, climate change. I mean, we've had extreme weather conditions and then there's uncertainty about our economy's ability to transition to a low carbon economy. Uh, crypto, guess what, Nancy? That one didn't really come up as an issue. Uh, and it has in the past. And so this this debt level is, is a big deal. But what I will also say when I talk about those mortgages that come up for renewal in a few years, people still have time to adjust. They they know it's coming. They know it's not coming down. And, you know, are we headed to a recession? The banks are pricing in right now, possibly towards the end of the year. But we do have a little bit of wiggle room still. And I do think that when you look at our housing market, and I'd love your perspective on it, uh, you know, with immigration and The lack of supply and the increase in demand, this is going to continue to weigh on inflation. So I don't think rates have hit bottom yet. The Bank of Canada's next meeting is on June 7th, and, um, you know, the bank rate is at 4.5%. I think if they're serious about getting to 2%, which they certainly appear to be, and we're not there yet, we could see another 25 basis points. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Right, We know that
0: they said that they were on a pause, and, and that the but that the pause was dependent on inflation coming down to 2%, as you mentioned. We're not there yet. And the latest numbers for April saw inflation increase. So because yeah. of this, many economists are speculating that on June 7th, the rate announcement will be an increase and that the bank can will raise rates at least 25 basis points, which means mm-hmm. the key lending rate will rise to 4.75%, which is the highest it's been since 2008. So, uh, I would, I was thinking that that would actually be the case, Patty. So, you know, you're saying you love my um, thoughts on that. Like I do expect an increase. I'm hoping it'll yeah. be only 25 basis points because to your point, yeah. many people are already Struggling with the increases that we've seen to date, right? And we know that, you know, although one third of mortgage holders have already seen an increase, we know that many more mortgages are gonna be negotiated right between now and 2026. So in fact, the median debt service ratio of home buyers, which looks at the gross amount of households and the portion of it going towards paying off debt on their mortgages increased to 19% last year. And that is even higher today due to the rate hikes, Right. So close to 30 yep. percent of new and renewed mortgages have households now paying a median of 25 percent or more of their income to service their payments. I think the yep. serious statistics for me, though, Patty, is that some reports are citing that those who bought at the height of the pandemic back in 2020, when housing prices, mm-hmm. of course, were soaring. Well, those mm-hmm. mortgages come due in the next couple of years and these homeowners could be paying upwards of 40 percent. So how concerned are you about those numbers?
1: Well, I am I am very concerned about them. There's, there's no question. Uh, but just to put context around the, the mortgage and housing market, 60% of households in Canada don't even have a mortgage. So this isn't everybody in Canada. 27% of Canadians actually own their homes without a mortgage. of Canadians rent. And I looked at, you know, the CPI numbers and yes, there have been increases in rent, but CPI shows a more modest increase than the payments uh, shock coming to some of the mortgages to your point. So when you look at the 40% who own their homes with a mortgage, it is targeted to those, you know, that you just talked about who bought at the peak, mortgage rates were low and they're going to have to renegotiate this mortgage and and so you've got you've got a housing market that is still going to be relatively strong because you have a lot of first-time home buyers sitting there who throughout this period because there has not been supply have been being able to uh create a bigger down payment And they're ready to pounce when they can. Um, We're also seeing about one in four new mortgages um, are for investors. Like investors are, um, there's an awful lot of own-to-rent activity in Canada. So we have to sort of put that into context. And then I've talked about immigration. So the fact is that there will be some, but it's not all Canadians who have a mortgage that find themselves struggling. There will be some that say this house has to go. Uh, we thought we could afford it. We thought it was a lifestyle that we could get by on. And we now realize that we can't. And I guess if there's any silver lining, and it's very minor here, if you're someone who has to sell, and I say that because I have had too much home in the past, and I have had to, we as a family, had to sell our dream home. When we realized the amount of debt and the, the sleep at night factor and the lifestyle, it was too much. And it's a difficult decision, but I often say to people, don't fall in love with your assets because... It doesn't mean forever. When you have to make tough decisions, it means for right now, and that's what I think some households may have to reassess.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think there's, you know, there's got to be sort of a reset on some of that stuff for people, and they yeah. are difficult decisions. But you're right; it's not a forever thing, right? And I know and you back see in twenty 20- sure. I see it all the time. We're already seeing people who are coming in to see us to deal with their unsecured debt because with the increase yep. in their mortgage payment, they can't afford both, right? So rather right. than give up their house, they're putting a plan in place to, to deal with their unsecured debt. Others will yep. make the decision to sell their home, right? I think every situation is is going to be different for people. But interesting, right. uh, you wrote an article back in 2019, sure. the day of reckoning oh, for yeah. debt burdened households may still be yeah. yet to come. So I Want to talk about that when we come back please stay with us
1: saturday morning join us for the irish newfoundland show send your requests to irish nl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com
0: welcome back you're listening to your money here on vocm i'm your host nancy snedden licensed insolvency trustee with BDO canada right here in newfoundland and labrador Joining me today is Patty Lovett-Reed. She is, of course, one of the country's leading and respected authorities on personal finance. And we're talking about the Bank of Canada Financial System Review. And I mentioned it there in the last uh, segment, Patty, that you wrote an article, which has maybe been a little foreshadowing, uh, back in 2019, called The Day of Reckoning for Debt-Burdened Households May Still Be Yet to Come. So I guess the question for you today is, is the day of reckoning here?
1: Wow. (laughs) When when did I write that article? In 2019. In 2019. (laughs) So I'm thinking I've basically been wrong right up until now. Uh, i worried about, (laughs) but, but when I wrote that article, if I think back accurately, and I do not have it in front of me, I worried about debt levels continuing to climb. And no household really worries about the debt that they are taking on until they don't have a job. And money coming into services, and you know the day of reckoning was for me. If you if you lose your job, um, what happens? Then then COVID hit, and I I remember reflecting back on that article a little bit and thinking, well, isn't this interesting? There are households that are, are dealing with the day of reckoning from something completely unforeseen a pandemic that basically shut down economies around the globe. And yet government stepped in. And so that day of reckoning didn't really happen because there were many who lived close to the margin who had high debt levels that were able to get by with the financial wiggle room provided through government programs. Um, and for, and for some, they, they made it very clear in survey after survey that um, They're never going back to these high debt levels. They like this financial flexibility, but we know that was then and this is now, and we're seeing the numbers go higher. In our earlier segment, you made reference to the fact that um, people are making a decision, and the decisions are, do I pay my mortgage? Do I take out, do I increase the unsecured debt level, i.e. my credit card, Um, but I need to put food on the table as well. And it's not all households in Canada, but there are certainly lower income households that are struggling with this. And that day of reckoning, yes, if they lose the job that they may have, the last little ability to get by starts to crumble and the house of cards starts to fall. Um, And I'm hoping for households that doesn't happen. But here's a line in a report that I, I recall reading not all that long ago. And people said, in our ultra low interest rate environment, even though I know I can't afford it, I can't afford not to with rates being as low as they are. So people were taking out debt to buy things to satisfy a want versus a need and ultimately increase their debt levels. And what was the driving force was the low interest rate environment, which wasn't sustainable forever. So that is a long winded answer to your question, um, I do worry that the day of reckoning may not have come to some households, but it could. Yeah, and
0: it's interesting, right? Because you wrote that article back in March of twenty nineteen, so a year before the pandemic, and you were you were worried about um, credit and, and debt ratios, because we were at a dollar seventy four. People owed a dollar seventy four for every dollar of disposable income. Right. Well then a year fast forward a year later, the pandemic hits. And to your point, we saw mm-hmm. all the government supports which needed to be in place, and different spending patterns changed because of people um, having to stay home they and all those kinds spend. of things. <laughs> they couldn't spend exactly. So now fast forward, you know, four years later, we're out of uh, the pandemic, but we're seeing a debt ratio now of $1.84. So, you know, six cents higher than your worry in in 2019. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it's very possible, Patty, that the day of reckoning is here for for some people. Right. So. Let's get back to, um, the, to the bank report. So the report highlights the early signs of financial stress that we've been talking about among, hu- among households. And we have seen several rate hikes over the past 14 months. The key lending rate rose from a quarter point to 4.5%. Increases have left Mm -hmm. many homeowners struggling, which is what we've been talking about. And when you're paying more to keep a roof over your head, it means less financial flexibility for other costs like food and utilities and transportation. So as you mentioned, Patty, many are turning to credit to put food on the table right now. And these rising costs do have consumers turning to credit to keep up, as we mentioned. So. This, of course, means higher debt loads and again, higher monthly costs, pushing consumers closer to that financial edge. And many are reaching for reaching sorry that financial tipping point. So some signs that point to this, Equifax Canada is reporting record credit card debt among consumers right now. Canadians are carrying higher monthly balances and the share indebted households behind and payments for at least 60 days has been increasing steadily since middle of mm-hmm. last year. And earlier this month, the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy released its Q1 report, and we are seeing a jump in insolvency filings right across the country. So nationally, the OSB is reporting 28.4% increase in filings, while bankruptcies rose marginally at 4.9%. Consumer proposals spiked by 36.6%. Here Mm -hmm. in Newfoundland and Labrador, overall filings rose 21.3%. And the month-over-month figures, February 2023 to March 2023, show proposals soared by 43.3%. And these are double-digit increases for something that the OSB has been reporting for the past few months now. So, Patty, how concerning are these statistics for you? I mean, certainly we were expecting to see this as we came out of the pandemic. Uh, I don't know if we were ready to see such high increases so soon.
1: I think that's a great way to put it. I don't think we were. Um, and and i think in part what is it is the high, it's the rapid movement of interest rates but the stubbornly high inflation so this is hitting hitting households in a like a literally a one two punch And I know in reports that I've read from the Bank of Canada, they know um, this is going to impact and that there are Canadians that are more vulnerable than others. Um, The consumer proposal, I I actually applaud the savvy household that knows they're in over their head and honestly doesn't know what to do uh, or may never have been in this situation before. Owing money and feeling financially out of control is um, is a horrible, horrible feeling for a household, and it creates a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety. And They may feel that there are no options, but I I do think, and and I know you provide them, and this isn't a commercial on my part, but I do know that there are experts out there that do, and when I started the year, I wrote an article on, if I have to describe 2023 to uh, people, it's going to prove to be a year of financial resiliency, and resiliency to me means you have access to money. You have access, like if you look at money as an acronym and you break it down, um, people, and and I get direct messages on Instagram all the time. In fact, I do a segment uh, once a week, Tuesdays or Wednesdays, whichever day it is, um, ask ask me anything uh, because I want to try to help people. And I don't have all the answers, Nancy, but what I try to do is say, here's where I can point you. I can point you in this direction, and I answer as many as I can rapidly. And people were saying, okay, if I need money to be resilient this year, what does that mean? And it means the M, like you're managing with razor-sharp precision. You know exactly what you're spending your money on. You have reviewed the O and money for options, you know? It may mean moving. It may mean re- reaching out for help. It means shutting everything down for now, not forever. Uh, people are pretty clear, and I think you'd agree on this. They understand the difference between the need and the want. I mean, they get it. Uh, and the the uh, excuse me, the E in money, as I spell it out. There's only one Y uh, coming up is increasing their earnings. I I was speaking at an event in the past week and someone came up and said, you know, I used to work with you way back when, when you were at TD and, um, I work at TD, but I also work here and, and I, I help in the restaurant side of this event place, um, because I need a side hustle. I need to increase my earnings right now. And so people are looking at increasing earnings, whether they're looking at side hustles, they are looking at taking money out of their home. They may decide to, um, you know, reevaluate their investment portfolio, even the few stocks they have, to have dividends coming in. But the why is also, and Nancy, this is really important, the why is about, for me, it still has to be a year of yes. Because as we worry and as we try to get through this year, um, we don't get this year back in terms of our life. I mean, we don't. And I I think it's yes to new challenges, yes to new opportunities, um, yes to new experiences. And it doesn't mean it has to cost money, but it also means, at least to me, that we don't remain paralyzed by what's going on in the economy so that we look back on this year and we think, you know, what happened? Like, what happened? Um, And so that's where having some resiliency, And figuring out how you can address the financial side of your life allows you to live this year of your life.
0: No, I couldn't agree with you more on that on so many fronts, right? So it's so important that people do evaluate, you know, the cash that's going in and going out and and looking at those needs and wants. But I think it goes to what you're saying about saying, yes, Patty, like I'm a big proponent. And when you're budgeting, you need to budget for the things that make you happy. Right. And so that doesn't mean that, you know, you use credit to to increase your income, to buy the things that make you happy or to do the things that make you happy. But I find if you don't budget for the things that make you happy, however, you know, big or small those things might be then you're not going to stick to the budget because you're going to be miserable. And, and when you're miserable with your budget, then that tends to be when you fall off. So I think, you know, talking <laughs> yeah. to a professional and really v- evaluating what you have coming in and going out and putting a plan in place if you need to, to, to deal with the debt, to free up the cash flow, to do the things that you want, whether it's safe for retirement or, um, you know, an outing with your, your kids on the weekend, right? It could be uh, yeah. any and all of, of those things. But I think, you know, putting the plan in place is what's so important. We know the Bank of Canada governor is calling on Canadians to be vigilant, so we're going to talk about that with Patty, and she's going to share some advice on how to better prepare for the economic uncertainty that lies ahead when we come back.
1: Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels, newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon.
0: Welcome back. you listening to your money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada right here in New and Labrador. My guest today is personal finance expert, Patty Lovett-Reed, and we're talking about the Bank of Canada's recent financial review, and according to the central bank, there is reason to be concerned. So the report speaks to early signs of financial stress among households and that Canadians have had less financial flexibility and are more vulnerable to potential economic shocks right now. And we know we're facing a huge economic shock. Of course, we have a recession looming. So, Patty, I want to switch focus a little bit now and speak for your advice for listeners. So we know the Bank of Canada is calling on Canadians to be vigilant. And I refer back to your article, The Day of Reckoning, and you do offer several tips for consumers on how they can change course. So let's talk a little bit about those now. You recommend consumers develop a millionaire mentality, so to look no further than some of the financial and life habits of the wealthy to understand how they achieve financial success and
1: whether the ups and downs of the economy. So what can you
0: tell us about that?
1: You know, Nancy. Uh, in an earlier job that was uh, that I had, uh, I had an opportunity to speak to those who had twenty-five million dollars or more of investable assets, and I did it for about a decade. And I would go right across the country speaking to this group, and sometimes on a one-on-one. Uh, often it was to an audience, and. It was fascinating because I really got to know these people. And I I had a few takeaways, and, yeah, I'm happy to share them with you. Um, What I found was, you know that expression that your mother probably always told you, just because you can doesn't mean you should? Um, That group had the money to spend, but just because they could didn't mean they would. And I often found that they were never, ever frivolous. Um, I'll give you a classic example. One gentleman literally had me waiting for him for about 45 minutes because he took public transport, excuse me, public transportation to get to me. Uh, I knew how much money he had because he said to him, a car was just useless and all the expenses that came with it. And I thought, okay. another gentleman, and this is not an exaggeration. Wore the very first year I met him a red sweater that was cashmere, beautiful crisp white shirt, and tan pants. I remember it because for seven years in a row, we would go to lunch when I went to London, Ontario, and he had the same outfit on. And by now, I've gotten to know this gentleman. And I said, why, why are you in the same outfit? I'm fascinated because by now this sweater's looking ratty, Nancy. Like it needs, it needs an overhaul. And he looks at me and he goes, there's nothing wrong with this. And then at that point I said to him, by the way, I'm, not, I'm moving on to a new job. There will be someone else coming out to meet with you. And he chuckled and he said, um, you know what? I'm really happy about that because I'm tired of wearing this outfit and so is my wife seeing it on me. So I only wear it. I only pull it out when you come. But he was making a point. They just aren't frivolous. And so that was a big takeaway. I also learned from them that when they spend money, they accumulate assets, not never-ending debt. They think debt is a sinkhole. It's a spiral. And so to the extent that they can accumulate something that they get a return on investment from, um, they will borrow to invest but not consume. So many, many of these people that I met with, uh, I can tell you they were small business owners that became medium-sized business owners and large business owners. Um, And so investing, borrowing is not not bad. It's how you strategically borrow, how quickly you pay it off, and what you are borrowing for. But they don't do it to consume, i.e., go on a vacation. They all had access to emergency funds. Uh, emergency funds, by the way, may mean cash for some, it meant a line of credit that they didn't use, but they had access to. It may be a credit card that they had tucked away. It may be cash sitting idly. So it's the point is the last thing they want to do is sell an asset at exactly the wrong time because they had to satisfy an emergency request for funds. Um, They're financially realistic. These people always are razor sharp on their numbers, but they also are razor sharp on what's going on around them. They understand at a base level, uh, a basic level maybe is a better way to put it, what's going on in the economy. They don't try to time the market. They believe in slow and steady. But they are very realistic. And the one that I love the most, and Nancy, I got to tell you, I embrace it like no tomorrow. They are always looking for the next big thing. You know, and I remember sitting and chatting with one individual, and I said, I guess your life is kind of like a book. You write the chapters of it, and what happens in the next chapter of your life is written by you. You could go right. You could go left. It's not right or wrong. It's you get to embrace and do what you choose and want to do. And I know that sounds so sim- simple, uh, but it's not simplistic because, you know, not everyone can, you know, change the trajectory of their life or the direction of it. But they they get to open their eyes to an opportunity if they're looking for one. And the final one I'll throw out there is. Um, is they, it's about leaving a legacy and I, and I can absolutely tell you it's not about the money. Uh, these people had their, their wills done, their estate plans in place, but that's not what they worried about. What they worried about was um, what they were leaving behind in terms of who they were, how they made people feel what sort of impact they had and that they struggled with far more than saying okay there's going to be an equitable distribution of assets i've looked at it in after-tax dollars and this is how it's laid out
0: yeah i think that all of that is so important and sometimes people think well you know it's easy for people with a lot of money to think that way but it's not about the amount of wealth that you have it's the thought process around how you're, you know, spending, investing, utilizing what you do have. And also yeah. if you're not, I love what you're saying about opportunity. If you're not open and looking for opportunity, you're not going to see the opportunity, right? So just and being having that open mind, right. To, to look for, for yeah. what the art of the possible may be.
1: So how do you is about speak- having a millionaire mentality? It's not about having a million dollars. You hit it on the head. Yeah, that's right. And you also speak to the importance of setting a life goal,
0: right? Because lifestyle desires drive financial requirements. So let's talk about why this is so important and how specific you should be when it comes to goal setting.
1: You know what? I can tell you that when, uh, how do I even word this? You know, goals are personal. They have to light you up. They have to excite you Um, because if they don't, they will not change any of the habits or your money habits that you have. You're not going to save something that, uh, Nancy, maybe you say to someone, you really do need to save for retirement. And if the person across from you says, yeah, well, that's great, but that's not what I want to do right now. But I do need this trip to Europe. Uh, They will save for the trip to Europe. They're not going to save for retirement if it's not their goal. And so they have to own it. But I also will say that, Goals are not carved in stone. Life can throw you a curveball when you least expect it. And there are going to be financial detours in your life. There will be hiccups. There will be great milestones that you want to celebrate. And there will be challenges that you wish you didn't have to go through. And so I think when it comes to lifestyle, that drives the type of money that you need to have for retirement or to live where you're living today, but they're personal. And so I, I, um, I'm very, very passionate about reevaluating our goals and our household. My husband and I, we sit down every single year. We've been married 28 years, almost 29. And we sit down between January and February, um, every year. And we look at our net worth statement. And we have the very first one from the first year we were married. We've kept them all. And by going through a net worth statement, we list down everything that we own, everything that we owe. Uh, We don't owe anything at this point in the interest of disclosure, but we sure did. And we look at, one, we're surprised at how well things have gone because you can see it. It's it's, It's a snapshot at a point in time. And then you can see, hmm you know what, that credit card debt's kind of expensive. We should we should tackle that this year. Or our children's education funds, and we had four that we wanted to fund their education. That's looking a little light. That needs to get our attention this year. Or in another year, we said, okay, we're sitting with money in our investment portfolio and paying a heck of a lot of money on taxes. We need to look at this. So my point is these goals get reevaluated, but they're based on financial reality but they are things that are important to us that we combined get behind and move towards. But you know what? They're not carved in stone. I can tell you, Nancy, every single one of those plans we put in place at the beginning of the year throughout the year, one of us derailed it. And if you could see my hand up, you'd know which one of us it was, but at least we (laughs) had something to say, let's get back on track with. Right. And so, I think that's the the main
0: thing. So, I'll highlight a couple of things that you said there. So the importance of talking, right, with your partner, at least okay. once a year about your overall finances and what the goals are. You want to make sure you're on the same page and that you're both committed to, you know, what you want to accomplish for that year, whatever uh, it may be because goals are very personal, right? And that's why I say to my clients, it's not a one, a one size fits all approach when it comes to mm-hmm. managing your finances because everyone has different, you know, desires and goals and things that they want to accomplish uh, in life. And then you, you talked about, you know, looking at that credit card data it was such high interest and you wanted to make sure you got rid of that and I think that that's so important and I want to talk a little bit about paying off debt uh, when we come back because you do say that paying off debt in full as soon as possible is a goal that most people should have so we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back please stay with us.
1: Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy Newsmakers, Traffic, Weather and more during your VOCM Morning Show.
0: Welcome back, You're To your money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Patty Lovett Reed. She's, of course, the country's leading and respected authority on personal finance, and she's sharing her advice with all of you today. So, Patty, one thing, well, I know you and I agree on many things, but one thing that we definitely agree (laughs) on is that paying off your debt in full or making a plan to deal with your debt as soon as possible is something that everyone should be looking at, especially right now, right? As we're potentially going into a recession. We've been talking about the worries that Bank of Canada has around the debt levels of um, Canadians. It's something I think that everyone needs to put some focus to. So you've even said that high consumer loans are toxic and destroy wealth creation. And while the focus should be on high... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and while the focus should be on high interest debt, any debt is still debt that you should be considering and looking at uh, when it comes to, to paying down. So what advice can you share
1: with our listeners on this? Wow, I used some pretty harsh words there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Look, I, 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 when you borrow money, your lender is, is looking at you to say your, uh, and, and assessing your ability to pay it back and your willingness to pay it back. And I think if you borrow money, you, you should have the financial maturity to understand the contract that you've entered into. Uh, it's not just free money. And so I, I do believe that when you look at time and compounding, when you have money in an investment or a savings account, although it's very low there, um, time and compounding works wonderfully well for you. You earn income on top of income and you start to create wealth. When you owe money, this is where it's toxic by making the smallest amount of payment possible or not making them at all. Your interest time and compounding works against you and you wind up in many cases owing so much more than you originally borrowed. And so when you look at one of the easiest, if you have any money coming in uh, and best ways to build up your net worth statement and your balance sheet, it's to retire debt. It's to get rid of that debt. And yes, some would say pay off the most expensive first. That's not the one with the biggest balance. It's the one that's costing you the most in terms of the interest charged on it. Um, Others would say, you know what, do what you need to do to keep the momentum going. It's often been referred to as a snowball approach where if you have five outstanding pieces of debt, don't look at, look at the one that has the smallest balance and you retire that debt first, pay it off and you pay off the next one and then you pay off the next one because there is a lot to be said for the power of momentum. You start to feel really good about it. You start to make compromises and here's how I suggested to one individual who, again, through Instagram said, Patty, I, like, I don't have any money left over at the end of the month. And I said, I get it. But what if you, on a daily basis, shut down your spending? I'm not going to buy the coffee. I'm going to take my breakfast and lunch to work. I'm going to get home without spending. I'm going to look for waste. And at the end of that day, you take small amounts, And you put it right on the debt and it may seem inconsequential, but it's the power of doing it. it is the power of momentum and you feel in charge of a situation where you sometimes don't feel you have any control.
0: No, I love that. And, and either one of those methods for paying down debtor, I'd recommend it as well, because it does depend on what motivation you need to, to stick to it, because that's what's most important. Right. Right. I think we yeah. recognizing um, that you need to put that plan in place is, is step one, and then choosing the plan that's going to help you stick with it. Right now. Right. You know, you talked about um, minimum payments and how, you know, that means that you're paying way more in the end because the minimum payments are only covering interest and You know, that's what I I try to tell people. Like many people think they're in financial difficulty when they can't make their minimum payment. I'm a proponent of saying you need to get some advice if you can only make your minimum payment because you're throwing money away every month, not seeing any reduction in your debt. You're paying interest after interest after interest. So it's time, you know, to talk to someone to get some advice on how you can get out of that cycle. Now you also just mentioned spending and I'd like to talk a little bit about that now because I think being mindful about the spending is important especially during these times of economic uncertainty so you you recommend conscious spending as opposed to mindless spending so can you talk a little bit about this and why it's so important
1: you know some people will go window shopping and think it's a sport and all of a sudden you're you see something and you think oh I need that or I want that. I'm going to get it. Um, And they don't even think about it or they just spend and and it really can be mindless spending. And so years and years ago with our children, I said, let's talk about conscious spending. And look, I know you, our daughter, for example. Uh, when she went off to university, she went to the University of Ottawa. It was very cool. We, she said, she needed a warmer coat. Um, we, we were in the camp that we wanted to fund our children's education. They got X amount of dollars. They did have to contribute financially. They had to work during the summer, and they all were able to. Uh, by the way, if they couldn't have found jobs, then they had to volunteer. Like they had to do something during that period of time. Uh, But then part of the life lesson was this is the money for the year. Please don't come back and ask for more because there won't be any more. Uh, So you manage it. And and so her conscious spending was I need a ski jacket and I need to be warm. What was mindless about it was it was, I'm going to throw out a number $800 for a ski jacket. I knew how much money she had. And I kind of said, okay, if that's like, you may not be able to eat come May unless you get a part-time job because you're spending this money now, but this is a conscious decision that you're making um, based on the fact that it's mindless and that you just think I'm going to buy this jacket because I have this money in the account. She bought the jacket. I got to tell you, she did buy the jacket, uh, (laughs) but she never came back to us. She never came back to us for a dime, but she said, I get the difference because you need, Conscious spending isn't just about saying, I have to get this because I need it. It's also putting a price tag on it and saying, this is how much I can afford to spend, not how much I want to spend. And I, I get social media and I get the designer duds. Um, and maybe you can afford it. Great. But if you can't, don't keep up with the Joneses. They're broke. We know that. Yeah, I, I've said that to so
0: many clients, you know, and it's difficult, right, having the conversation with us and and people will feel better immediately just having had the conversation. But sometimes the conversation goes to, you know, I don't understand how I'm here. I look at my neighbors and they have X, Y, Z toys and, you know, they go on these trips and I'm like, it doesn't mean they can afford to do it. Right. So don't judge yourself by others because you don't know what they're their story is they may know they may not own any of it and they may be putting all those vacations on credit right they may not be but you yeah, don't know yeah. that so you know base your story on you and what um you can and can do and not what you think someone else's story is well patty as always it's been great having you on the show today but we do have some time now for some final thoughts so if you could leave our listener with a final thought today what would it be
1: Uh, you know, you just led me to what my final thought would be. Everyone has a story and I can tell you that we have three ages. We have a chronological age, a biological age, and a financial age. So our chronological age is the age that's on our birth certificate. You might be in denial of it. I am on some days, but the fact (laughs) is it is what it is. Our biological age is everybody wants to feel and, and, hope their body is younger than what their chronological age is. And that can come through healthy lifestyle, a bit of luck, good genes. You get where I'm coming from. But Nancy, we all have a financial age. And here's where I want to be really, really old. And what I mean is I want my bank accounts, my investment strategy, my debt level to reflect the financial maturity That's much older than where I am because I chose to do things differently when I was younger. And so know that you could have two 50-year-olds and they may, you may assume they are exactly the same because they're the same age at the same stage in life. They seem to have the same home in the same neighborhood, but you don't know about their history. You know, one may have been through a health issue, a divorce. They may have lost their job. So the only numbers that you care about are your chronological age, your biological age, but your financial age. And that's based on who you are, not your neighbor. Yeah, I love that. Well, Patty, as
0: always, it's so great to have you on the show. And, you know, I know there's many listeners out there who would love to connect with you, follow you on social media. So what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, it probably is on Instagram. And that's Patty underscore Lovett read, L-O-V-E-T-T. Hyphen Ariat? No, I don't even think there is a hyphen. I, I'm gonna look and see if I have a hyphen here. I don't think I do. Is Patty Love it read one word um, underscore? And I do. I do try to answer people um, as often as I can. I, there are a lot of followers, but often there are themes, and I try to address those as well. And by the way, Patty has an I E. You can blame my mother for that. <laughs>
0: Well, thanks again for joining us. And of course, for our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Remember, I always want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like us to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Sneddon. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Sneddon of B- VDO, License Insolvency Trustees, on your VOCM.